Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you? Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Hi, hi. So exciting news. We're getting some, what do we call it? Advertising, not, right? Not products. Not products. <laughs> uh, but we are going to get some advertising. And in order to help us out, it would be awesome if you could click the link uh, in the description of this episode. Fill out a little survey so we know what we so we know what you want uh, so the advertisements uh, can actually be worthwhile and not drive you completely insane. And the information is confidential. We don't take emails or names or anything. You're not going to get on any kind of weird list or anything like that. Yeah. It just helps us out. Awesome. Thank you all so much. Hail yourselves and enjoy this episode. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here with you. Marcus Parks can't be on the show today. He's far too busy writing a book and basically doing all the work for Last Podcast on the left. So uh, this week's episode, I assure you, uh, of Last Podcast on the left will be amazing, as well as this episode of Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. A little bit later on in the show, I welcome uh, a conservative African-American fellow, Lawrence Jones. He's going to join me. We're going to talk about what's going on with Kanye West, what's going on with uh, the two-party system in the context of the African-American uh, community. Also, a little bit later on in the show, I have a chance to interview X-Pac, the one, two, three kid, Sean Waltman. We talk a little bit about the greatest Royal Rumble that took place in Saudi Arabia. There was a key component to the WWE universe missing, the women. Hopefully, this is a step in the right direction, and hopefully next year, Saudi Arabia will be a little bit more inclusive and allow for the entire WWE roster to perform. Also, Finn Balor, he was been wearing his uh, rainbow flag shirt here in the States, but he went over to Saudi Arabia and that was nowhere to be found. Of course, gay being gay is illegal in Saudi Arabia still, and you can be murdered for it. So I understand it's a step in the right direction, I suppose. I just would like to see a little bit more progress a little bit quicker and this whole King Abdullah situation calling him a reformer. Okay, but let's see a little bit more. Anyway, before we get to those interviews, a couple of uh, new developments here, obviously with the Trump White House. Ty Cobb is out as a lawyer. This fella Emmett Flood will now be a key counsel to Donald Trump. He actually worked with Bill Clinton during Bill Clinton's impeachment. So perhaps that's where the winds are blowing. Who knows? Nonetheless, he's a Washington insider, been in D.C. for a long time, and knows the very unique specifics of presidential 
politics and, of course, of the legalities surrounding the presidency, specifically when it comes to impeachment. A lot of folks inside Donald Trump's council have said, do not sit down with Robert Mueller. Today, Donald Trump took to Twitter, as he always does, calling this once again, the Mueller investigation, a witch hunt and boasting about North Korea and the peace talks going on when it comes to Kim Jong-un. Of course, president of South Korea, Moon, has a lot to do with this, and definitely the leader, the leader for life of China, Xi Jinping, also has a lot to do with the recent turnaround when it comes to Kim Jong-un's uh, decisions to denuclearize or potentially denuclearize North Korea. And as I mentioned uh, on last week's episode, that's a fascinating scenario or situation we're going to continue to watch because if... Un does open up the hermit kingdom. A lot of those folks are going to be quite upset if they do start seeing the light coming from South Korea after they realize how bad they've had it for how long. And perhaps there'll be a uprising for that very reason. So Kim Jong-un is really in a tricky position here. So when it comes to Donald Trump, that's basically the new events, the the new situations that have occurred regarding the Mueller investigation. And, of course, there is constantly the conversation going on. Will he fire uh, Rod Rosenstein? It is possible that he could get away with firing uh, Rosenstein. It's certainly within his power to do so. That's Donald Trump's, of course. But politically, it might be negative and it could have a blowback, most likely not to the same degree or temperature as the blowback that occurred when he fired James Comey, who, by the way, is still out digging his own grave on his book tour. And uh, turns out that he has released some classified information, which is what uh, really gets a lot of folks in trouble. We'll see what happens when it comes to uh, James Comey. Th does this book end up backfiring completely? And uh, does it end up getting him embroiled in more trouble? In this case, it would be legal, it would be significant, uh, even more so than the troubles of his past. So that's what we get, have going on right now with Donald Trump and the Mueller investigation. Who knows if he'll fire Rosenstein? Uh, people say he should not. And, of course, the people that are on the inside say do not sit down with Mueller under oath because Donald Trump, as we all know, doesn't really have the ability to tell the truth. He lies about such bizarre things, whether it be crowd sizes uh, or Trump University. I mean, the lies just go on and on, and they're small. They're mundane lies, and you just get the feeling he won't be able not to do it. So his counsel says, do not sit down with Mueller under oath. Plead the fifth if you have to, much like what Michael Cohen is doing, his lawyer, which is, of course, ironic because Donald Trump is famous famously said if you plead the fifth it's proof you're guilty well his lawyer has just pled the fifth on about everything so that's what's going on with donald trump let's go on a little bit to secretary of state mike pompeo is officially our secretary of state he went in with a lot of steam he had a lot of momentum going into this vote six democrats uh, voted in favor of Mike Pompeo's nomination. The total vote was 57 to 42. Those six Democrats, Claire McCaskill, for example, Heidi Heitkamp, Joe Manchin, up for re-election. And those are all states. They come from states that are Trump country, that went for Donald Trump. McCaskill's in a very difficult race against this guy, Howley. Joe Manchin looks like he'll most likely pull that out in West Virginia. He has 35% of the Republican support. So that's pretty good for a Democrat. And, of course, Heidi Heitkamp there out of uh, North Dakota. Again, big-time Trump country. So they've got a tight rope to walk politically. They're like the Frenchman who walked between the two twin towers. Uh, it's, uh, it's windy up there, and they've got to be politically very intelligent. 
in order to not fall off the cliff and uh, commit political career suicide. Also, Don Lee out of Indiana. Angus King, my man. I love Angus King. He's the longest independent in the Senate, and he mostly caucuses with the Democrat. He did also go uh, with Pompeo as well. So uh, there was a lot of, again, support for Mike Pompeo going forward with the success that we've seen regarding Kim Jong-un, North Korea, the talks that he had with Kim Jong-un over Easter. Again, it's Definitely not all Donald Trump. It's not all Pompeo, to say the least. South Korea and China have played a huge role. Cannot be overstated the size of the role that those two nations have played in beginning to have peace talks with North Korea. But we do have to give some credit where credit is due. Uh, The U.S.'s position of uh, reversing strategic patience seems to have paid off at least uh, momentarily. So hopefully things go in the right direction regarding North Korea. Korea. So now with the appointment of Pompeo as Secretary of State, we have to fill the void. Who is going to be in charge of the CIA? It looks like the nomination might go to Gina Haspel. She's problematic to say the least. She was in charge of the United States torture uh, when it came to, uh, you know, 03, 04, 05. Obviously, we don't have to rehash all the horrible news that came from that time. She had a prominent hand and a prominent role in the U.S. policy of torture. Now, it was legal because that was the United States policy. There were some black sites there that that were operating under a very dark shadow, a very gray area of international law. Nonetheless, I don't think her approval, I don't believe her nomination process, I don't believe her Senate hearings are going to go as smoothly as Pompeo's again because of Pompeo's big momentum coming in with North Korea. When it comes to those six Democrats, well, I guess Angus King is an independent, but again, he caucuses with the Democrats. Will it hurt them politically? I don't think so. Again, they're from Trump country, so they kind of have to walk that rope. And as we've seen with the election in Pennsylvania in the congressional 18th district there, which is soon to be dissolved, Connor Lamb, a moderate, basically ran against that establishment Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer wing of the Democratic Party. And as we saw again with Doug Jones in Alabama, another person who supported Pompeo, moderate Democrats can win in more conservative areas. And I do believe uh, the blue wave is cresting and I think uh, it will end up coming to fruition, very similar to what happened in 2010 when the Republicans picked up 64 seats. The Dems lost 64 seats in 2020, uh, 2010. And of course, that was the big Tea Party movement. So that Tea Party movement, the organic right wing Uh, movement, of course, funded by some very large corporate donors. And the Republican Party is out uh, funding right now. They are out fundraising the Democratic Party. But again, there is a lot of large corporate money rolling through there. Does that translate to votes? It didn't in 2016 in many ways. We'll see if it does here in the midterms. But as we saw with those elections, uh, with the election of 2010, in a midterm election, Donald Trump is not on the ballot uh, anywhere, obviously. And again, would that even help in 2020 or will the Trump fatigue be so much that that voters, you know, continue with the momentum that seems to be happening across the nation right now? We just don't know. But for those people who do like Donald Trump, who are diehard Donald Trump supporters, he's not on the ballot. And as we tend to see in midterm elections, when the president is not on the ballot, it tends to be the other party that is able to gain uh, some seats. So who knows what's going to happen? Again, we can't play the prediction game too hard here. We've all learned our lesson from 2016. But if you are a Democrat and you are really looking for them to pick up some seats, 
there's reasons to, without a doubt to be optimistic again as we saw with uh with the most recent elections i mean and the question is would it even help them if donald trump i'm talking about republicans would it even help republican candidates if donald trump supported him he literally lost twice in one state he lost twice in alabama and of course lost in pennsylvania as well despite the fact that he threw 100 percent support behind connor lamb's appointment or uh, opponent rather so i doesn't seem as if he has the mightest touch despite the fact uh that that's what a lot of people um, speculate he might have, although it doesn't seem to be the case. Although he does have a gold toilet, so that's kind of a, a King Midas move on the part of Donald Trump. Of course, in Alabama, he supported Luther Strange and then Roy Moore. So here it is. This is my interview with Lawrence Jones. He's a good friend of mine. He's a African-American conservative fellow, and I wanted to talk to him about what's going on with Kanye, a little bit about the Libertarian Party, and I think we have a good back and forth. I always enjoy speaking with him, and uh, I think you'll enjoy the conversation. So I am lucky and fortunate to have my friend Lawrence Jones join the, joining the show. Thank you so much for being on the show, Lawrence. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it so much for you having me on. Absolutely. It's been a crazy news uh, week. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's crazier than most weeks, and every week is crazy, so I don't even know how to classify this one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that seems to be the norm. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you have a radio show, or you had a radio show with The Blaze. You're a black mm-hmm. conservative. Uh, you've... Um, uh, been talking about uh, Kanye West, and so we. This is the first time we've ever mentioned Kanye or anything that is close to a Kardashian uh, on this show. That's the fascinating world we're living in right now. As a matter of fact, Kanye is about to go on Alex Jones, so I think hell is currently about forty degrees and slowly uh, freezing. Um, what do you think about Kanye West and his approach right now uh, when it comes to his? Uh, love for Donald Trump. He really threw it all out there uh, a couple of days ago on Twitter. And, of course, he's made some super controversial statements regarding slavery, 400 years. He says, well, it was 400 years. That means it must have been a choice. What are your thoughts about what you're seeing from your perspective? So I'm I'm in a a tough position because, you know, this entire Kanye revelation has made me do some self-evaluation on how to you know, approach the right. Yeah. For one, I I have been screaming, get conservative, uh, conservative, get the hip hop community involved for a long time. I'm a libertarian. I believe that capitalism is the way to reach the black community. And you start by uh, reaching out to the culture. When I was saying that conservatives and Republicans specifically reached back out to me saying hip hop is destroying the black community, they should not have a seat at the table. Hip hop is whatever, everything that's wrong with the black community has to do with hip hop. So, and so, well, but, I want to go back uh, a little bit here because capitalism, uh, I'm, you know, very, uh, capitalism has done some great things and I think it's the, yeah. the best way to go. It's obviously flawed, but it has uh, led to certain communities, certain uh, groups of folks being disenfranchised as well. Uh, is there any concern when you say capitalism is the answer? Can you put some context uh, in that? What, what does that mean to you? Well, I know a lot of Republicans like to focus on sub issues when it comes to like abortion, uh, you know, or, you know, gay marriage, all the other social issues um, facing the country. But the root of all problems when it leads to the black community has to do with poverty. Mm-hmm. And until we start having black businesses, black banks, um, 
those businessmen invest into the education system where there are charter schools that are competitive, uh, then you really cannot fix uh, the breakdown within my community. One of, one of the most, uh, talking just history, one of the most prevalent times for black people was the invention of Black Wall Street. Um, and we know that it was burnt down. And, uh, you know, I, I, I am originally from Dallas, te- Texas, and the modern day Black Wall Street is DeSoto, Texas, where some, some of the most prevalent black folks live there and they invest back in the community. And as a result, the community is a flourishing community. So, And so when I – go ahead. No, I was just wondering. I'm just wondering because I understand we have a binary process, and it really is uh, aggravating to say the least because it doesn't seem like either side are fighting for the vast majority of the people in this country. And I get the disillusionment with the Democratic Party, Hillary Clinton going on the Breakfast Club and and trying to get the black vote by saying she has hot sauce in her pocket or in her purse. I mean, really pathetic stuff. Um, but is what is the Republican Party? Uh, done for black individuals when it comes to entrepreneurship, when it comes to jobs? Well, I, I would say this. The, the economic agenda of conservatives has always benefited black folks. But when it comes to messaging, you have the Democratic Party that's got 90% of the vote right. that has um, traditionally got the black folks support. But they haven't quite focused on the black community at large, which is why a lot of black voters decide to stay at home most of the time. Right, and especially... Then you have the Republican yeah. Party that literally uh, does because they feel like it's not worth it. Right. Uh, they don't come into the community to get... Although I agree with their agenda, they don't come and talk to the community about the agenda because it's just not worth their, t- their time. Now, that being said, mm. it's kind of ignorant on the right's part because if you literally cut uh, the black vote in half, Democrats can't win another election. Just so, even if you don't like to go and speak on the issues right. uh, to the community from a, a strategic standpoint, it really doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, and we saw that in 2016, a much lower blacks uh, turnout. And, of course, Donald Trump just running on a his black outreach was basically, what do you have to lose? And that was an indictment on the Democratic Party. And that seemed to resonate, and that's why he was able to get, by Republican standards, 9%, which is fairly high. I want to ask you about this um, idea that both sides benefit from the black community in shambles. We have Chicago, which is, I think, 13th or 14th most dangerous. It's often scapegoated as the most dangerous. New Orleans, St. Louis, all much higher on the list. But let's just say Chicago. Uh, You have the conservatives who prove uh, they say that's evidence um, of uh, what the Democratic Party has done to the black community. And it's evidence of um, why we need more policing, why we need uh, more law enforcement. And then you have the Democratic Party saying that's why the Chicago is why we need less guns, why we need uh, why we need, uh, you know, different kind of school systems and things like that. But both seem to be really. Uh, in need of a black community that's in shambles. So uh, let me start by saying both talking points from both sides are wrong. I'm going to tell you why. You have the Democrats that fail to acknowledge that there have, in many of these cities, there has been a failure of leadership, there has been corruption, there has been um, the corruption from the standpoint where the people that are well-connected get the land and property, which is what I would classify as chronic capitalism, there has been corruption within the police department. And then you have 
the the Republican side that address all those points that I say, I just said, and then they say somehow that corruption has skipped the police department. So you're essentially mm. saying that the police department is immune from the corruption, but every other government agency within the cities, including the businesses as well, are corrupt, but the police departments are perfect. Right. And so well, I mean, what and we, we have is, and we just saw that with short, Sheriff Joe Arpaio getting praised by right. Mike Pence, obviously uh, right. ported by, that by Trump. Respect the Constitution, right. uh, believes in doing things his own way, mm-hmm. doesn't respect the rule of law. Um, so I don't care how much you like Joe. The fact of the matter is that it is undisputed that he has no respect for the law. Now right. he would say. He, felt like he was doing what was right. Well, you felt like you were doing right, but there's a constitution for a reason. And so what, I, what, what, what I'm getting at is that both sides, what I've learned and discovered, are using talking points for their advantages. And what I would say is that the black community is left in this holding touch pattern. Um, mm. When the president, I, I, I've been communicating with the White House um, lately because I, I want them you got to have a seat at the table if you want your community to be served. Sure. And I've been messaging to the White House. I want them to understand when the president says the forgotten man, uh, there is no community more forgotten than the black community. Right. Um, and the president lays out why the forgotten man, you know, the coal miners, you know, uh, a lot of, this you sort know, of, yeah, I know we have this sort of mythical vision right, of the of the coal miner, yeah, right, and all these other rooms, and they they are very well are forgotten, but the black community is literally forgotten by all sides. Both political parties are not interested in the well being of the black community. They may say they are, but when push comes to shove, from a policy standpoint, right, uh, I haven't seen many results. Uh, which is why I've decided to turn away from the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. I'm a conservative libertarian, um, and and that, that I feel like that I I am best advocating for the principles that I feel like can improve my community. That's where I'm at. I want to ask you about that, and obviously, again, what really um, hounded Hillary Clinton in 2016 was Bill's criminal justice passed. I mean, he had more people incarcerated under his presidency than any president in history. Super predators. The list goes on. You know, black folks still love Bill. If Bill was to be on ticket again, he would get the black community support. This is right. You know, there's a certain authenticity about Bill. Uh, in the community where before Barack Obama came along, they called him the first black president. Yeah, of course. But then Obama does come along and he does some code switching to some white folks in South Carolina. He starts to kind of put that dog whistle in his mouth as well, right? <laughs> what do you know about code switching? Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, but, but you know, there is a lot of failure when it comes to Obama, too. When you, you may not hear black people um, say this publicly because there is a certain defensiveness when it comes to the first black president. Right. But when you get us behind closed doors, whether you're talking in the barbershop or the local salons or family at the Democrat, uh, at the, the table for Thanksgiving or, or just Sunday dinner, there is a sense of disappointment when it came to uh, our first black president, not really emphasizing uh, the issues that we were facing. He had the bully pool put mm. 
that he could have used on a lot of issues that he didn't use. Well, yeah, I'm interested to hear what are some of those things, because I do remember, obviously, he was uh, much more in defense of uh, the Black Lives Matters movement, certainly more than Donald Trump, who uh, obviously after Charlottesville said that Nazis and anti-Nazis were basically equals. Um, So what were some of the issues that you would have liked to see Obama focus on more? Economic issues. It seems like from from my perspective, and, and if you talk to many people in the community, the president was focused on the Latina community. Um, mm. And I, I don't know if that was consulting from his strategist to say, hey, these are votes that you need. But when it came to using mm. executive order, DACA, uh, there seemed to be this emphasis on people that weren't even citizens and people that you didn't get the same amount of support from. And so when you go back to the community, there is a disappointment. Now, some on the left would argue, oh, you're putting black folks against Hispanics again. Like, this is, it's not that. It's, we voted for you 93% of the time. You know, uh, the audience may not know this, but I was a first-term Obama supporter. I made over 400 calls for him a day. I knocked on doors as a high school student because I believed in his agenda. Part of Obama's fault where when I turned over to the right because there was such a failure uh, of leadership on this part when it came to not addressing the issue at large of the country, but specifically to the black community. Yeah. So so that is sort of the base that is or the soil that is now sprouting this new conservative Kanye flower to some degree. Now, Kanye has always if you listen listen to many of the hip hop artists, uh, hip hop artists, there there is a conservative message there. Whether it's taking care of their family, getting money, being go getters, yeah. they are strong capitalists. And of course, Donald Trump mentioned uh, a lot in Mac Miller actually had a song called Donald Trump. He's been mentioned quite a bit. And 60 percent of the time Donald Trump is mentioned in songs, it is positive. So he gets a lot of negative media. But when it comes to the hip hop community, it does seem to be overall a positive uh, view of him. What happened is the change of messaging. You know, there, there, there was a connection to the president because, you know, all, all of us all wanted to be that multi-billionaire, you know, right. you know, all of us, you know, coming down the escalator, having my own clothing line. That, that's what we want. Uh, right. I think in large, all Americans want that, but they're strictly in the, you know, specifically in the black community, there was a, uh, a, a, we looked up to that. Um, yeah. and I think now because of the messaging of the Republican party, the Republican Party, and people often blame Donald Trump, but the messaging of the Republican Party was bad before Trump got there. I mean, it's been bad, really bad for you. I think it's fair to say that Donald Trump, the Republican Party, we have John McCain in 07. Someone's like, Obama's a Muslim. He's like, no, don't say that. We had Mitt Romney trying to do uh, African-American outreach uh, and not being so... Um, uh, kind to this what has become alt-right at the time it was more of the Tea Party uh, I mean I think it's fair to say that Trump has really energized that more racist base I believe that their racist base never uh, uh, left <laughs> you know that they that they will find anything uh, to ramp them up you know uh, you know remember that same racist base or that 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 you know, liberals would call the base. 
I feel like racists were already ramped up having the first black president there for eight years. So there's yeah. nothing that you could do more to rep racism up when their guy, whoever, whatever part, party that they have, may have identified with, that it was a black guy there for eight years. And so, yes, there's going to be racism. Like, okay, whatever white guy can get in there, I, I'm cool with. So I think it's kind of unfair to say that the president ramped those up. They were going to be ramped up regardless. Well, uh, I will. it did seem like he was really, you know, uh, claiming that he doesn't know David Duke, sort of like tepidly not uh, disavowing himself from, you know, really, uh, again, uh, white nationalist, white supremacist. And to uh, be clear, although he condemned them, I had problems with the whole Charlottesville, both sides, good people, of course. Both, both sides. I mean, I think there's just a little bit of intellectual dishonesty for people on the right to say that that was not problematic. Right. Well, um, Lawrence, I want to ask you because I'm, you know, I'm more of a center left. I know you're more of a center right guy. I wanted to be, I, you know, I sort of dabbled around libertarianism for a while, and I still agree with a lot of the tenets, open markets, uh, you know, freedom uh, of individuality. But something has happened with libertarianism that I was just talking with Sean Waltman, X Pac, uh, one two three kid, the the wrestler who I'll be interviewing a little bit later on in this episode. It has been co-opted. Libertarians uh, seem to be co-opted. Libertarianism seems to be co-opted by this alt-right racist Richard Spencer presence. I mean, how does that get purged out of what is supposed to be a party uh, or a uh, philosophy of don't tread on me? But meanwhile, the folks waving that flag are treading all over everyone. What do you mean by that? I want I want to hear your hear well, I, your. If you listen to a lot of the libertarian rhetoric right now, it is coming from these racist enclaves all across the country. They're proclaiming it's about states' rights. It's those are libertarians. You know, I'm a. I would consider myself more libertarian than anything. I believe the most vocal proponents against that that hateful rhetoric is the libertarian. They're saying no, we right. can't. We we cannot support that. Um, you know, libertarians from just Napolitano, from Kennedy, uh, to even on the left side of libertarian Charlemagne the God, you know, you got, right. uh, you know, you, you have some, there's such a diverse group of libertarians fighting against the contempt, you know, that, that right. are saying, no, that's not what we stand for. Uh, right. we stand for other things, you know, but I, I think there, like I said, there's, there's two parts to libertarian and hateful rhetoric is not really welcome in the libertarian movement. So um, I, I would say that that's more of the all right. Right. Okay. Uh, that's a, that's a great perspective. And just thank you so much for doing this show, by the way, Lawrence. I love you, buddy. You're, you're, of course, always, brother. It's so great to talk to you. But just lastly, I know Kanye, just, we'll just wrap it up with Kanye. Uh, oh. He's got an album coming out. Um, do you think this is this, this turn to MAGA, this turn to Trump, do you think this is going to help his sales? Do you think it's possible all of this is just a plot to uh, to boost up the album sales? Or do you think this really does turn off a huge majority of his listeners? Um, I think Kanye, um, as long as Kanye remains Kanye and not start uh, taking Republican staffer talking points, Kanye will just be fine. Everything Kanye touches turns to gold. Yeah. Just like just like that toilet on Donald Trump's in in Donald Trump's bathroom. 
he is the black Donald Trump. It's fast. I, you know, it's interesting. I said a very similar thing the first time I was on Kennedy about how Donald Trump is a hip hop candidate. He's misogynistic. Um, he flaunts money everywhere, and he really is what a lot of people, when they think of a billionaire, they think of Donald Trump. Whether it's true or not, I, I wish people would think more of Bill Gates when we think of billionaires, but uh, that's not the world we're living in. I, I tell you what, I always tell uh, my my conservative uh, colleagues this, and this is something that I, I ran into, I think it, he said it back in 20, maybe like 2015, it was by the rapper T.I. Mm-hmm. He said that, you know, essentially our lyrics are a um are, are evidence of our circumstance so if you don't like our lyrics then change uh the circumstance which inspires our lyrics right that's a and great so, point yeah you know he, you know i i i always tell people help us change it if you if, if you help us change our circumstance then right. i guarantee you it will be transparent in our lyrics Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. You can find Lawrence on Twitter at Lawrence B. Jones 3. Follow Lawrence, and uh, he's on Fox News regularly. We actually debate on a regular basis there, and I hope to do that again very soon. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you joining the show. I appreciate it, brother. Take care. All right, there it was. Lawrence Jones. Again, find him on Twitter, Lawrence B. Jones, the number three. Good guy, fascinating dude, and uh, it was great to get that perspective because we need to have more conversations from people uh, that aren't, uh, you know, just boxed in to one political ideology or another. We're very unique people. We're a very diverse electorate, and everybody has uh, political views all over the map. And some people call it pragmatic. Some people call it unprincipled. In the case of Donald Trump, I might go unprincipled. But in the case of someone like a Lawrence Jones, or even myself, I like to say pragmatic. All right, here's my interview with Sean Waltman. Of course, you know him as X-Pac or the 123 Kid, part of D-Generation X and the NWO. We talk a little bit about what happened with the greatest Royal Rumble. The WWE went over to Saudi Arabia. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, there was a key group missing, the women. So we talk about that, and we also talk about his lovely dog, Lula who you've got to find on social media. It's possibly the cutest dog I've ever seen in my entire life. So enjoy this interview with Sean Waltman. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel back here with you. Uh, I am honored right now to be joined by a, uh, a personal hero of mine. You know him as the one, two, three kid or X-Pac. Uh, Sean Waltman is with me. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me back on. Hell yeah, dude. I can't wait to uh, to have this conversation. And we can talk about uh, more than just pro wrestling. We'll talk politics. I want to talk, um, it's sort of a political uh, kind of crossover here with what's going on with the WWE. They're going over to Saudi Arabia for the greatest Royal Rumble. I don't know if the Saudis realize we already have a Royal Rumble here, but um, it's a $400 million contract. It looks like a, about a 10-year deal, but they're not allowing the females to wrestle. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Do you feel like that's a real slap in the face right now to all the work that the WWE um, has put into the female division? Well, it, it... Trust me, I get. It. Like I've, I've, I've read and heard, you know, all the all the different comments and opinions from yeah. you know both sides of this, and and I mean, I I understand where people are coming on coming from on both sides of it. I, you know, there's there's been a lot of 
progress made, and and W. done a great job with the, with the women's uh, revolution, and yeah. and uh, so a lot of people, I guess, you know, say, well, it's kind of hypocritical, right? To do that, and I, and I get it. I understand, you know, maybe a little bit, but I think I think then um, if we're looking at the big picture, you know, playing the long game, I think it's the right thing to do. Yeah, you think really going o- going over there and just starting. Um, I mean, again, our number one export is our culture, is our um, is really uh, you know um, our entertainment. So, I guess, uh, yeah. in your opinion, would you say this is a good step in the right direction? And hopefully, next year in the and in the foreseeable future, maybe they can, maybe we can get them to be more open. Well, I mean, that's they. I, I think in the UAE, they they had their first. Uh, uh, I think Sasha Banks and and somebody had a had a, a ladies match there, yeah. um, just a few months back, and and that was groundbreaking. So I mean, I think um, I I just think it's it's some people go oh no like you got to stay away and, and until they you know get with the program. Right. I don't agree with that. I'm I'm like just like I don't agree with you know uh, Don Cuba any of that stuff. Right. Okay. Um, we got to be there. I think. I think we got to. Uh, we got to. We can. Okay. Let me just put it this way. You can sit back and wait for somebody else to affect the change, or you can be the one that does it yourself. All right. Yeah. Speaking of uh, speaking of change, it does seem like. Uh, as a country, we're going through a lot of changes, one being uh, the left, um, for the most part, seems to be embracing people like Robert Mueller and the FBI and seems to really be sort of uh, cheerleading along the Russian probe. Who knows where the heck that's all going? We were talking extensively about the James Comey uh, situation here in the past hour. What are your thoughts on... Uh, the intelligence community, the FBI specifically, Andrew McCabe, it looks like he's going to go down the same way that Michael Flynn went down for lying to his organization, the FBI. James Comey, it's now come out that uh, the documents that he did leak were later confidential. What do you think the status is right now of our intelligence institutions such as the FBI? Because I know you're a libertarian guy in a lot of ways. What do you think about all that? Yeah, I don't know what to make of it, to be honest with you, Ben. And and I do pay attention. Yeah. You know, I try not to weigh in as much as I used to. Uh, but, oh, and, and you're right, I, I, I do lean libertarian. I I, I, I think I, I identify as libertarian more than anything. Right. Um, but, wow. You know, I'm with you. I don't you. know, Ben. Yeah. Man, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can really make a, you know, a, um well, an intelligent uh, observation on that. Well, I think, um, well, good, you're different than me, because even if I don't make an intelligent observation, I make an observation. So you're much smarter than I am. <laughs> um, well, I don't want to sound dumbass you know so when it comes to when it comes to libertarianism you know it's interesting because i uh, I, I went with gary uh, johnson who i know personally he's yeah. a very nice guy i think he's got a great heart and that's what i voted on i uh, voted in, for him uh in 2016 yes obviously i know um uh, the, the platform of legalizing marijuana you're you're an advocate for that because uh, yes. it's helped you um as far as opioids and, and alcohol um, but when it comes to libertarianism, the only thing, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, because I was in a meeting and I, and I mentioned this, the only thing that kind of bugs me a little bit is we got a lot of these folks wearing or waving the don't tread on me flag, but it seems like yeah. sometimes they tread on other folks. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I hear you, man. And that's why. And also, like, I feel like kind of this alt-right like, yeah. thing has kind of co-op, co-opted libertarianism right. or it's gotten kind of confused. I don't yeah. like that. I don't like that, man. No, I'm At with all, you, man. Like, it's like whatever it, happened, and I was talking about this on the show yesterday, whatever happened to the culture of just being cool. I was talking about that in the context of this Simpsons Apu controversy. We can't even deal right. with a cartoon anymore that aired on yeah. Sundays at 8 p.m. Uh, whatever happened to just people being like, okay, you said something I didn't like, but I'm fine. I'm an adult. I'm going to say something that you don't like, and everything is okay. Whatever happened to just it, being cool? Social media. I do. Maybe. That's... I think that might have to be a big part of it because, you know. Yeah, because we go immediately. We get a thought, and boom, got to run the social media. Right, do it on social media. Give your opinion. I, I think that plays a huge part in so many of the things that that you know that are going on. But yeah, uh, I agree, man. Do you think we have to like? I don't know. Not take it so seriously when it comes to social media. It seems like if it's on Twitter, it almost has a higher significance than if it's just in a conversation. Yeah. I mean, was that was yeah. was that the intent? I mean, I remember back in the day, Twitter, like as a comedian, I just used it for jokes and everything was relatively light. And now you log on and you're like, it's the worst news of the day uh, by the hour yeah. on the hour. Why? Why do yeah. we focus so much on the negativity, do you think? I, I just think I, I, I think maybe because that's what people uh are drawn to i mean that man that's depressing like all the bad news is 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 what you know there's no good news that's not it doesn't seem like anyone wants to you know wants to tune into something called the good news do you think that that's i I mean that's what we hear over and over again do you think that that's true because i'll tell you sometimes i sometimes i'm a real sucker for a story about uh you know a hero for for example the waffle house shooting when that guy got up and tackled this maniac shooting up yeah, everybody that's, obviously that's kind of your best of both worlds because you have a horrible scenario with a hero mixed into it yeah but i mean i think the people you know it, it's just slowly eroding our communication that, that seems to be the yeah. ultimate irony to me yeah and it's, it's like it seems almost like kind of like schadenfreude yeah like people are yeah. just waiting to like you know like to ask in other people's misery or, you know, yeah. Uh, and, but you know, but it's not just like, it's not, every, it's not everyone. I mean, like for me, me for instance, I love uh, posting stuff about dogs. Man. Yes. Tell me about this. Like happy stories. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I was just on your Instagram. You got this amazing dog, which are, you know, I mean, I love, I just love animals. I love every animal. I'm, I'm almost, almost giving up eating um, pork. Because I love pigs, yeah. but then I I also am a uh, a former morbidly obese individual from Wisconsin uh, who occasionally drinks a couple too many beers and uh, will end up ordering <laughs> yeah. a couple of different things that might be yeah. bacon related. But yeah, tell me, I, uh, tell so, me about this dog and how it's helped uh, how it's helped you in your life. Well, okay, so I'm sorry, I'm coming back from Home Depot here out out here in L.A. in the valley, and this dog runs out in the middle of the road, and wow. you know there's blood all over, and you oh, know wow. his jaws hanging there. He's got broken jaws, so her mouth's just hanging open. Oh my god! Blind in the right eye, so you know, first time with we stop and we try to catch her, and uh, I, so I had to call my friend uh, Maria Menounos, his husband Kevin Undergirl, and uh, he came help me catch her. Her name we call it we named her Lula. Oh and nice. uh 
And so now I, I uh, you know, we got her fixed up, and they couldn't do anything with the jaw. So uh, I, I take her with me everywhere now. Then I, I take her, like, when I go on my appearances or to wrestling matches, like, everywhere in the country. Oh, that's and great. Everybody loves her, man. And and honestly, she's such a joy. And and it's something that, like, for somebody like me that has, like, a ton of issues I've, uh, I've you know, fought with, and, and that yeah. it's, it's something to help take me outside of myself and have, you know, because my kids are older now. Oh my God! I'm looking at (laughs) I'm looking at a picture. And uh, by the way, did you know? I believe Doug the Pug made twenty million dollars last year, and I think that Lula. I think I think uh, she could beat him. Yes, she has, and she has her own Instagram. At it's baby Lula, T S baby Lula. Well, it's and she was also featured in the the new uh, WWE twenty four seven doc on. uh, the documentary on Raw 25 that they just came out with. It's really cool. That's awesome. Well, I hope uh, I hope she starts pulling her weight in the family and getting some money, getting some paychecks. I never thought of it that way. Should <laughs> I be doing that? <laughs> I don't know. It's an adorable dog, yeah. and the story yeah. is incredible. I mean, I know uh, that's my that, that's. You know, that just seems to me. You know, I'm not really a religious person, but I, I do believe in. Um, in serendipity, and I do believe, uh, you know, when you're on the right path in life, uh, things happen. You start to recognize uh, certain synchronicities, and it seems yeah. to me like, wow, uh, how perfect that this dog came into your life um, uh, in need, um, not perfect like all of us, and it just seems like such a perfect fit. It is, too, man. And, and you know, like uh, some of my friends that have issues, they're like, oh, I see what that dog does for you. I want to get, I want to, I need a dog too. And I'm like, but here's the thing. Right. It's not what the dog can do for you. It's what you can do for the dog. <laughs> and that's it. Seriously. I, I know love it. JFK thing, but no, I like true. it. Yeah. You know? So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't think that the relationship with um, man and, uh, and any animal, I don't care what, I don't care if you love guinea pigs or, or lizards or whatever. Uh, it really can't be overstated how important they are to us. And I think that we need to, you know, remember that. And I think, you know what I think, man? I think that dogs and cats and things like that, like, it's something that everyone can agree on. Yes. That, you know, liberals, conservatives, whatever, man. Right. Come on. You know, dude, I, I completely agree with you. As soon as they as soon as we start politicizing animals, I'm gonna I'm checking out. I'm just going to I'm going to Uruguay and I'm hanging out uh, on a beach and uh, maybe slowly walking into the ocean one of these days. But um when right. it comes when it comes to politics, they are infused in everything. In our food, yep. in our television shows, this whole uproar over Roseanne being a Trump supporter. I'm like, she is poor, she is white trash. Yeah. Of course she's a Trump supporter. This shouldn't be surprising. And that show, I mean, the jokes are amazing. I'm not a Trump supporter, but the jokes are incredible. Why do we feel the need now to just politicize everything? And do you think that's really one of the reasons why it does seem like there's more divisions than ever? I just don't know the the answer to that, man, but it really sucks. Uh, Because, I mean, I I, let me use an example of Roseanne. I um, I know a lot of people on, you know, all parts of the, the spectrum that, yeah. that are enjoying that and that are seeing it for what it is. I mean, it's it's pretty indicative of like a, a it's fairly common story in, in, in households in America right yeah. now, I think. Absolutely. You know? 
I mean, and and isn't that oh. isn't that what's so great about this country? I mean, I disagree with with Kanye West's uh, Twitter storm. I mean, he yeah. seemed to really go all in yesterday. <laughs> uh, there was one uh, contra or some uh, conspiracy that he was trying to draw attention away from Chloe and Tristan. I don't follow this stuff, but there was an affair or something like that. But I mean, people oh, rea- people reacted like he just said that he loves to to kill babies. It's like, come on. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's really like you can't. Uh, I, I, it's like, especially out here in Hollywood. Yeah, where I live. Yeah, you got you you got to be careful who you like. You know, share your opinions with out here. Well, speaking you of know? opinions, you all you have this amazing podcast. Yeah, can you let the audience know where to find it? Um, because yeah. it is, it's just incredible. Yeah. I mean, you can come on one time. Oh man. I would, I it would be in honor of my life. Where can folks find this podcast? Uh, it's, I, it's, it's, I'm with Westwood one and the Jericho network right now. And, uh, and also we, I do it with Buzz TV. You can find it awesome. pretty much on a- anywhere, like on just about any, you know, podcast app. Well, you, you know, know, iTunes, Apple Play, Google Play, like all that stuff. And it's called Xbox 12360. I guess this week was Rikishi, Hall of Famer Rikishi. And it got a great response. I can't wait to listen. And, of course, I am one-third owner of the last podcast network. So if they're not treating you uh, right over there, please jump ship and come over to the last podcast network. Sweet. Uh, because we'd love to have you. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> sounds good. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking, brother. I really appreciate hearing your thoughts Thanks, on things. Man. Hell yeah. Thanks, man. Sean Waltman. Have an every- awesome day, man. You too, brother. Sean Waltman, everybody. The Real X-Pac on Twitter. Follow him and follow that. Oh, my God. His dog cannot be overstated how unbelievably adorable that dog is. And, uh, yeah, you know things are going right in your life when a dog like that crosses your path. All right, everyone. There it is. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. Can you rate and review us on iTunes? That would be amazing. Uh, we'll get the numbers up there. Really uh, appreciate all the support. And again, feel free to tweet at me at Ben Kissel on Twitter. I always look forward to hearing uh, your responses to the episodes. And that's about it. All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Hey, have you heard the Virginia Lottery has a new Willy Wonka golden ticket scratcher that has a top prize of $100,000? Tell that to my automated golden ticket scratcher apparatus. You simply put the ticket in here and the machine scratches it for you. And while we wait, we can play the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket online game with a top prize of $1 million. Just visit VALottery.com or use the lottery app. That's one impressive scratcher apparatus. Use it whenever. What's mine is yours. But hands off the scratcher. That Willy Wonka Golden Ticket is all mine.